from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On the show, we provide daily episodes. Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. When you're driving to work, from work, or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball, and we'll be right there with you for the drive. If your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast. To get your company connected with this audience, email locked at lockedonpodcasts.com to get more details about increasing your business. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about yet another win for the San Francisco Giants. Coming back against the Chicago Cubs with three runs in the bottom of the eighth to win 5-4, to four. Giants pulled over 500 for the first time all season and for the first time since mid-August of last year. At 51-50, and 50, the Giants are still 15 and a half games back in the National League West, but they're tied for second place and just two games out of a wildcard spot. Their run differential improved to minus 41, which has an expected win-loss record of 46-55, and 55, so they're outperforming it by five wins. But as we talked about yesterday on the show, Farhan Zaidi made a great point in an interview recently pointing out that run differential is important, but it's a little bit less important when your players change. And I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. And so since June 1st, the Giants are actually 29-16 and 16 with a plus 48 run differential. And since Alex Dickerson's debut on June 21st, the Giants are 20-8 and eight with a plus 57 run differential. Do I think that's the true talent level of this team? No, I don't. But do I think they're better than their minus 41 run differential? It's certainly possible because a lot of the players responsible for that are no longer here. So before the game, we had some news that Connor Menez was optioned back to Sacramento and Sam Coonrod was called up. And this is, again, they've, they've done this several times this season. It's more of a procedural move than it is a demotion for Menez. This is just something Giants fans will have to get used to. It's really the way Farhan Zaidi is going to operate. It, it has, it's very different than the way the old front office did things. The reason they optioned Menez, they have two off days coming up, and so they can temporarily go to a four-man rotation and keep everybody on their normal rest. And in the meantime, they're able to option Connor Menez and bring up Sam Coonrod, who is a fresh bullpen arm, to give them some relief in the pen. So nothing wrong with that. It's probably a little bit of a bummer for Menez, but he will be back, I'm sure, at some point relatively soon. So getting into the game itself, Alex Dickerson not able to start, even though there was a righty on the mound for the Cubs. He's dealing with a back issue. It's actually a little bit of an oblique issue. It's apparently mild. He was available to pinch hit. And Bochy said he's hopeful that Dickerson can start tonight against Yu Darvish. Sandoval was back in there at third base, so it does look like possibly a strict platoon with Zach Green at third base right now. Steven Vogt was in at catcher, and Austin Slater was in right with Yastrzemski in left. Both Crawford and Panic were in the starting lineup. Sean Anderson was on the mound. Not his best start. He gave up a couple of solo homers. 
Really, though, a similar line to Connor Menez. Three hits in five innings, two solo home runs, five strikeouts, two walks. Drew Pomeranz was really good out of the pen in this game. He went two perfect innings with four strikeouts. His velocity was up as well. To me, one of the big moments of the game occurred in the bottom of the fifth. Zach Green, you know, credit to Bochy. He took out Sean Anderson for a pinch hitter in the fifth inning with the Giants trailing 3-1. to one. It was a righty-on-righty matchup, which is a little bit weird that they went to Green there, first guy off the bench against a righty. But later in the inning, Pablo Sandoval came up in a key situation with runners on the corners and one out with the Giants trailing 3-2. to two. So Joe Madden, being the smart manager that he is, he's not going to let Pablo Sandoval face a righty there because there's just so much evidence that Pablo is not good against lefties or that he's way better against righties. So Madden goes and gets a lefty reliever, and the Giants have Buster Posey, Tyler Austin, and Donovan Solano as right-handed options on the bench who can pinch hit for Sandoval in what was by far the highest leverage of uh, moment of the game up to that point. According to Fangraphs, the Giants' win percentage entering that at-bat was 50.6%. So the game was hanging in the balance. It could go either direction depending on what the batter did in that situation. So to me, it's a spot... You could go Posey, you could go Tyler Austin, you could go Donovan Solano. The one thing you don't want to do is stick with Pablo Sandoval. This was the Cubs' only left-handed reliever, so this was the Giants' one chance to get Solano, Austin, or Posey and at-bat against a lefty, and it happened to occur in the highest leverage moment of the game up to that point, and also with with a guy in Sandoval at the plate who's been really bad against left-handed pitching in his career in the last three calendar years. It really doesn't matter what relevant sample you look at. If you're only looking at 2019 numbers, you're looking at like a 30 plate appearance sample, which is not big enough to to make any conclusive statements, even though they were doing so on TV, showing his batting average this season against lefties, which is just flawed on a number of levels, most significantly because of the smallness of the sample size. In the last three calendar years, Sandoval is hitting 184 with a 224 on base and a 289 slugging against lefties, striking out 17% of the time and hitting ground balls 46% of the time. Tyler Austin hitting 250, 336 on base, 540 slugging, 34% strikeout rate, 36% ground balls. Posey, 313 average, 390 on base, 462 slugging. 10% strikeout rate, 41% ground ball rate. So that was a lot of numbers right there. But the point is, if you just look at those three, there's one that just totally stands out unlike the others, and that's Pablo Sandoval for being just way, way worse than the other two. He was the second most likely to strike out, but he was the most likely to hit a ground ball, the least likely to get on base, and the least likely to do anything in terms of slugging. And even batting average, it's only 184. I'm not going to focus on that, but people like to. And it was by far the lowest of the three. So I don't care that it was only the fifth inning. Sandoval grounded into a double play, and it decreased the Giants' win odds from over 50% down to 32%. So an extremely important at-bat, and they went to one of the worst possible guys they could have used. I get it, Sandoval was already in the lineup, but that is a spot... If this is Game 7 of the World Series, you absolutely cannot let Sandoval hit in that situation. Zach Green had already pinch hit, so if you go to like Tyler Austin or Buster Posey or Donovan Solano, whose numbers I didn't include here, but also probably would have been a better option than Sandoval, then you can 
double switch and keep Zach Green in the game. Or if you go to Solano, you can just straight switch and have Solano play third. And then the pitcher spot is in Sandoval's position. And then so next time it comes up, you can go to one of your lefties on the bench. They had Alex Dickerson, for example. So it wouldn't have really burned them in the long run. The idea that you can't use your other catcher in case something happens to Steven Vogt is also not relevant at all because how often does that actually happen it's very rare that you actually need to use your backup catcher and so i i just don't think you should manage based on a one in a thousand or or less chance so anyway that double play just killed the rally hurt the giants dramatically and they were fortunate to be able to come back later in the game like i said 18 percentage point swing in their win probability but if he had, if whoever was that bat had come up with a hit or even a sack fly, you could be talking about an 18 percentage point increase. So really, we're talking about an extremely high leverage moment there, and it went to a, a guy who had no business batting against a lefty in that spot. Coming up in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the good parts of this game. The Giants, in dramatic fashion, coming back in the bottom of the eighth inning with three runs. We'll talk all about how it went down, and we will also discuss a substantive trade rumor involving the Giants and the Rays. So that's all coming up next, but first... Okay, so as promised, we'll talk about the fateful bottom of the eighth, the Giants coming back in dramatic fashion, and a substantive trade rumor involving the Giants and Tampa Bay Rays. In the eighth inning, the Cubs went to Pedro Strope, who's a good relief pitcher. The Cubs had a 4-2 4-2 to lead entering the inning. So this is where Sandoval's spot came up again, and he got to face a righty because the Cubs had already used their one lefty. So he got to bat left-handed, and that was good because he did end up hitting a double that sparked everything there. But my counterpoint to that is that it would have been the pitcher spot had they double-switched with Zach Green, and then you could have gone to Alex Dickerson. And I would I would say that even though Sandoval hit the double, Dickerson against a righty is still a better situation than Sandoval against a righty so it's not like they would have been burned by having pinch hit for Sandoval earlier in the game but Sandoval hits a double on a terrible pitch that was way inside and down around his ankles but as only he can do right now doubles down the right field line Stephen Vogt struck out and then Brandon Crawford snuck one through the middle for a ground ball single that brought in Sandoval and made it four to three Kevin Pillar hit a ground ball to third base the Cubs were not able to turn a double play Chris Bryant kind of with a soft feed to second base and Kevin Pillar was able to beat it out on the back end just barely, which kept the inning alive. Giants still down four to three, but now with two outs. So up comes Austin Slater and he has the biggest hit of the game, arguably the biggest hit of the year for the Giants. 2-1 pitch, he hits a missile to right center, just barely gets over the head of center fielder Albert Almora, who has tremendous range. It really reminded me of the 2016 NLDS Connor Gillespie triple off Araldis Chapman, which was also against the Cubs. Then on the very next pitch, Joe Panic hit a double down the left field line uh, that brought in Slater easily and gave the Giants a 5-4 lead. Will Smith was unavailable after pitching so much so often here, and so Sam Dyson came in in relief, and he got the first two outs relatively easily, but then he issued a two-out walk to Victor Caratini. Addison Russell hit a ground ball single to right field. Up came Kyle Schwarber. The Giants, a little bit too late, had gotten Tony Watson up in the bullpen. Reminded me of the other day when Madison Bumgarner hit for himself. The Giants did seemed to try to send somebody down to the bullpen quickly, but it was just too late and they ended up letting Madison Bumgarner hit. 
here in this situation, Watson was up and that he must have been up for Schwarber, but, but he had gotten up a little bit late. And so they ended up going to Dyson against Schwarber and Schwarber has much better numbers against righty. So it was another very dangerous thing to let Dyson face Schwarber. I'm not saying they had to to take out Dyson there, but why it just seemed like they had Watson up for that very reason. And then they didn't go to him. It seemed like maybe it happened a little bit too fast. And again, if it's Game 7 of the World Series, I do think you want to go to Watson there because Schwarber has those dramatic splits. But Dyson ended up getting Schwarber to pop out, end the game, win the game 5-4 to four for the Giants. One of their best wins of the year. Over 500, they're a winning team. It's just really kind of hard to believe. So I do think it's increasingly unlikely that Madison Bumgarner will be dealt because losing him out of their rotation would really be a blow because their rotation is not very good as it is, and he's been their best starter by far. However, on the bullpen end of things, the Giants do have really good depth, and they could lose somebody and not lose competitiveness too much. And so that's kind of the general consensus around the industry right now, is that Madison Bumgarner probably won't be dealt. I still think it's certainly possible, but it's become increasingly unlikely with how well the Giants have played. So with that in mind... According to John Morosi of MLB.com, the Rays remain engaged with the Giants in trade talks regarding San Francisco relievers. The Rays have an abundance of middle infielders that the Giants would covet. I think one spot they could definitely afford to upgrade is second base and or third base in Longoria's absence. Also, you know, Donovan Solano has filled in really nicely, but if they could get someone who could be more of a regular at a middle infield position, second base specifically, able to fill in at third as well. Right-handed bat, I think, specifically would be good for the Giants. That would be compelling. And so, you know, Will Smith, very valuable relief pitcher that the Giants have to offer. Sam Dyson as well, even Reyes Maranta, Tony Watson. The Giants have an abundance of relievers, and the Rays have an abundance of infielders. And so I do think there's certainly a possible match there. Interestingly, some of the names that make up that depth for the Rays are former Giants players in Christian Arroyo, Matt Duffy, and even Lucius Fox in the minor leagues. So it's it's actually legitimately possible that the Giants could reacquire one of the one or more of those three guys, but I also think they would be interested in Willie Adamas. I really doubt the Rays would trade Willie Adamas. He's 23, former top prospect. Kind of struggling with the bat this year, but a good defensive player, good runner just a quality overall player. I doubt the Rays would move him for a rental relief pitcher. Really doubt that. But Michael Brasso has come up and done well with the Rays in a very small sample, but is an interesting player. I think Brandon Lau is definitely off limits here. But Joey Wendell is also a guy who could make sense, although he does bat left-handed. Matt Duffy has been injured for so much of the time that he spent with the Rays, but apparently he is coming back. He's just completed a rehab assignment and is finally healthy and coming back up with the Rays here, possibly debuting today, I believe. Christian Arroyo is on the 60-day IL with right forearm tendonitis. He's been on the IL since June 13th. Wish we could explore that trade conversation more, but it's something to look out for and something that legitimately is making some sense for both sides. Coming up tonight, the Giants will take on the Cubs in Game 2 of this three-game series. You Darvish on the mound for the Cubs, Madison Bumgarner making his final home start before the trade deadline. So it's possible this could be his last home start with the Giants. Also very possible that it won't be. But it will be fascinating to see how he pitches and how the team does because their whole 
future is kind of hanging in the balance. If they go on a poor losing streak here, then they could definitely trade Bumgarner. But if they keep winning, they could definitely hold him and they could be in the postseason conversation. So a lot going on here for the Giants. You Darvish is a righty, so we'll see the, the lefties in there again tonight. Remember, to get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow, and until then, we'll see you next time. 